This is the Morning Rush. We are live from the palatial WCMD studio, high atop Industrial Boulevard, at least 10 feet up on the south side of the Queen City. Oh, baby. Coming up on today's show, the Steelers and the Washington Fighting Riveras were in action last night. We'll see if the Bucks, O's, or Nats could manage to win a game. <laughs> it's our final Rush Friday feature with my main man, Joe Shuda. As Joe catches up with former Pirates reliever and current Pirates analyst, Matt Capps. Talk about the wonderful Field of Dreams game last night in Iowa. What a great show put on uh, by Major League Baseball. And the game itself wasn't too shabby either. And of course, uh, coming up uh, near the end of the show, I bid uh, my final farewell as this is the uh, last show. As I... Around 11 o'clock this morning, uh, we'll once and for all walk away from the radio biz. So stick around. It's going to be hopefully a good, hopefully a fun two hours. Uh, I will do my best to put on the best show I can uh, for the final show. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. Uh, So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off this funky Friday morning. Several ways to get involved on the show. Let's run them down for you. Uh, One more time, shall we? Hit me up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush. My uh, personal Twitter page, at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word. Our Facebook page at uh, WCMD Cumberland Radio. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance on this Friday. Shamo. on. 301-759-2628. Two six two eight, and of course, uh, our podcast page on the free Podbean app, where we upload every show every day, uh, minus commercials. So if you miss anything, today's show or previous shows, uh, it's all right there, and uh, those won't go away. They'll be there. Well, until I take them down, so you can revisit uh, anytime you want. Oh, and I see uh, I see already that the uh, the red light of death is on uh, in the studio. Oh boy, we had some issues last night in the building. Uh, the heat uh, wreaking some havoc with some of our stations and our transmitters. And I see already at 6.06. Uh, oh, now it's off again. Somebody fixed it. So there you go. Issues upon issues. It was hot yesterday. I thought about cutting my grass yesterday. And then that thought quickly went away because uh, I just don't feel like dying cutting the grass. Fair enough. It's got to cool off sooner or later. I think today's going to be pretty hot as well, right? 
doesn't help that every so often, in the middle of it being 180 degrees outside, it decides to dump a thunderstorm on you, right? I don't like cutting the grass when the grass is wet. Now, granted, it dries up pretty quickly when it's 340 degrees out. But you get get those intermittent showers that puts the kibosh on uh, cutting the grass. Anyway, uh, a lot to get to today. I I wondered, I wondered, uh, as I was working this morning, getting ready for the show, again, the final show, on how I was going to feel, what it was going to be like. Because... Even though I'm leaving after today, we still have a show to do, right? We still have to do what we've been doing for the past almost two years. Believe it or not, August 19th, six days from now, would have been the two-year anniversary of this show. So we've been doing it for two years and still had a show to do. I couldn't slack off today. Couldn't just take the day off. Still have to keep on doing what we've been doing for almost two years. Try to inform you, hopefully make you laugh a little bit, entertain you a little bit, talk to you a little bit. But I didn't know exactly how I would feel uh, as the start of the show approached. Because yesterday, yesterday evening, I came in to clean out my stuff. Because I, I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like dealing with it today. Because again, not only am I leaving this show, I'm I'm leaving everything. Like I'm done with radio. I just I've I've been doing it since 1995. I've just I've had enough. I'm on to do something else. So I'm leaving the company. I'm out. And as as I'm sitting here, and I'm getting all my stuff cleaned up, right? I get it all together, pack it up in my car. The building was empty. I was the only one in here. And it it hit me a little bit, right? It hit me a little bit that. The end was the end was nigh. As this kind of, I, I had this is what I had because uh, I'm sitting out. We call it the bullpen uh, down the hall where all of where everybody's desks are. Right, you got the studios down the hallway. At the end of the hall is what we call the bullpen where everybody sits at their desk. We have meetings and whatnot. And I had one of those Will Smith, right, Fresh Prince last episode moments where I'm just kind of standing in the middle of the room. And it's empty. I remember that episode, the last one, where Will standing in the middle of uh, the mansion, and it's all cleaned out because they were moving. Yeah. So I got a little, a little bit, a little bit emotional. I mean, I didn't cry or anything, but it's you know, you just, you, I felt it. I felt it. Been here for ten years. That's, that's you know, granted, some people have 30, 40 year careers. I get it. Ten years is a blip compared to that, but still, ten years is ten years, and it really seemed to fly by. It really did. So this morning, as I'm getting ready for the show, I didn't know how I was going to feel as the show was approaching. I'm sitting there because I'm, I'm working, I'm working. I'm sitting there, I'm working, getting ready for the show, you know, doing all my notes and everything like I usually do, prepping, no different, prepping for the show. As soon as I hit that show open, right, as soon as I hit that open and it started playing and Skillet started playing, boy, I, I felt it a little bit again. Like there's a little bit of emotion there. Like this is la- you know, everything I do, everything I do today is going to be for the last time, because I simply do not foresee myself ever getting back in the radio again. Maybe on a little part time basis. Maybe something to do on the side. 
So this is, you know, this is the list. You're running down the list of lasts today. So I got, you know, it's going to be, I don't know how I'll feel when it's time to wrap it up. I have no idea. But uh, again, we'll get to that uh, later on uh, before the show ends. All right. Let's kick off today's show as we kick off every single show here. And there's a lot to get to. So uh, strap in, buckle up. Let's rock around the region. And we start in the NFL, where the Washington Fighting Riveras opened the preseason play last night in New England. One of the questions going in, how much would Ryan Fitzpatrick play? Well, the answer is not much. Five for eight for 58 yards. A question for the Patriots, how much would Cam Newton play? The answer, again, not much. Only a couple of series, uh, four for seven for 49 yards. But while he was in the game, he was introduced to Washington's Chase Young. For wide for Newton and company, he's standing at his own 16 in the gun. James White to his right. Washington's got seven across the line. They bring him. Here comes Chase Young, and he's got Newton, and the ball is on the ground. It is nearly picked up by Gerard Payne, finally able to corral. No, it fell on the ground again. Payne had two chances to recover that fumble, and New England may have recovered it. They have. The call on Team 980, the sack fumble for Chase Young, and what was Newton's reaction after the game? He's smaller than I thought. I just mess with That's a joke. That's a, that's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. Relax. Uh, of course, Cam Newton's a big fella. Most people are smaller uh, than he thinks. Patriots won the game, oh, by the way, 22-13. Ramondre Stevenson, the rookie, ran for 127 yards, and two touchdowns for New England. Uh, Steven Montez threw for 108 yards, a touchdown, and a pick for Washington. The other game last night, the Steelers were at the Eagles, and Philly was flying high in the first half. And the gun is Flacco. Gamewell to his left. Flacco screams it out to the far sideline, and running with the ball to the 30, to the 40, to the 50, to the 40. It's Quez Watkins down the sideline. Touchdown, Quez Watkins. We've seen this movie before. 79 yards. We've seen this before. The call on WIP, Joe Flacco in the game, throws the ball one yard and gets credit for like a 75-yard touchdown. Eagles had a 13-7 halftime lead, but in the second half, it was Dwayne Haskins to the rescue. Haskins back with the shotgun. There is a free play with a marker down. End zone touchdown. I'll tell you what, that guy Haskins showed me something there. He knew he had a free play, and he just took his time. And Anthony Johnson, a kid from, where is that, Buffalo? That would be University of Buffalo Large Prairie Mammals, otherwise known as UB Bulls. The call on the Steelers radio network. Uh, Pittsburgh's second and third teamers dominate the second half as the Steelers got the win 24-16, now 2-0 in the preseason for whatever that's worth. Haskins threw for 161 yards and the touchdown, again, uh, primarily against players who likely won't be around uh, week one. No no Ben Roethlisberger again for the Steelers. Mason Rudolph started. Uh, he was 8 for 9 for 77 yards. Jalen Hurts started for the Eagles. He was 3 for 7 for 54 yards. In Major League Baseball, <laughs> the Pirates, Orioles, and Nationals. Played a combined four games yesterday as the Nats and the Mets uh, played a doubleheader in New York. 
And for the fourth straight day, none of them won. In the opener of that doubleheader, the uh, Mets beat the Nats 4-1. Brandon Nimmo hit a three-run homer and drove in all four runs for for New York. In the nightcap, the Nationals rallied with three runs in the top of the seventh. Remember, doubleheaders, uh, seven inning games. They got three runs in the top of the seventh to tie the game at 4-4. But then in the bottom of the seventh. Here's the 2-0 pitch. Swing a high fly ball to left field. It's deep. Stevenson back at the track. At the wall, he jumps. And it's gone for a home run. Put it in the books. Pete Alonso goes deep. He touched it just over the 358 mark into the M&M Sweet Seats. A game-winning home run for Pete Alonso. The call on WCBS. Second career walk-off homer for Pete Alonso as the Mets won the game 5-4 to sweep the doubleheader and the three-game series. Victor Robles had an RBI double in each game for Washington, which has lost 11 of 14. In Pittsburgh, the Pirates were finally able to score more than one run against the Cardinals. Too bad they didn't score enough. Brubaker comes to the set in his 0-1 and is swinging a fly ball out to deep right field. Blanco is back toward the wall, and there it goes into the first row of seats. Lars Newtbar with his first Major League home run, and two Cardinals long balls here in the fourth have given them a 5-3 lead. The call on the Pirates radio network, Lars Newtbar. Break me off a piece of that, Lars Newtbar. He's first career homer. 7-6 the final, the Cardinals get the win, and they get the three-game sweep. Colin Moran homer twice and drove in four for the Bucks, who have lost eight straight games. They have been outscored 50-18 to 18 during that stretch. And in Baltimore, much like the Cardinals did, the Tigers used a big fourth inning to get past the Orioles. Drives one deep left field. That's got carry. That ball's gone. Renato Nunez, welcome back to Baltimore. And he gives the Tigers a 3-1 lead. Reyes drives one deep left field. That ball is off the foul pole. A home run, a two-run shot. Second homer of the inning for the Tigers. Third homer of the year for Victor Reyes. That's the way it sounded on Bally Sports Detroit. Five runs for the Tigers in the fourth. Uh, They go on to beat the O's 6-4 to sweep that three-game series. Baltimore has now lost eight straight. DJ Stewart had two solo homers for the O's. Cedric Mullins had three hits to extend his hit streak to 19 games. Now, Miguel Cabrera did not play even though Manager A.J. Hinch said he would play, so A.J. he kind of fibbed just a bit. So Cabrera still sitting on uh, home runs number 499, which he'll likely get during Detroit's upcoming six-game homestand. That's why they held him out. They want him to get number 500 at home. I get it. Why he lied about it, I don't know. The Tigers, by the way, after starting the season 9-24, and are now 57 and 60, just three games under 500, and they are percentage points ahead of Cleveland for second place in the AL Central. The Tigers 17 and 9. 
since the All-Star break. Not too bad. Nice little bounce back from a 9-24 and start. And that is you're very involved. It's already 18 past the hour. I was talking before that about some stuff. You're very involved, uh, Rock, around the region. There's really not much more you can say about the Pirates, the Orioles, and the Nationals that hasn't already been said. They're just downright awful in every way, shape, and form. They, the, la- the last time any of those teams have won a game was Saturday when the Nationals beat the Braves. All right? Since then, they're combined. What is that? 0 and 12? Is that right? Or is that, was it more than that? They would have lost three on Sunday. And then three, it was three, six, nine, twelve. Yeah. The Bucks, O's, and Nats are a combined O and 12 since this past Saturday. They haven't won in nearly a week. It's bad enough when one team stinks out loud. But when you have three of them, it's it's hard to take. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm just being honest. Why not? This is my last show. I'll be happy when I no, no longer have to talk about them. When I no longer have to sit here on this show and talk about those sorry teams anymore, that, that'll be a good day for me. That's going to be a good day for me. because It's hard. It's hard coming in here and trying to find good things to say about three teams that are just god-awful. The Orioles and Pirates, you expected it. The Nationals, just two years removed. This is a team that's two years, and this is a, that's, this is Major League Baseball. This is professional sports. This is how it works. The Nationals are two years removed from their very first World Series championship. And you look at the team now, and it is in no way anything like that team from two years ago. Most, most of the guys are gone. A lot of those guys are gone. That's just the nature of pro sports, especially in baseball. Success is fleeting. Caller, hold on. Success is fleeting. So you enjoy it while you have it. Ask the Cubs that. The Cubs just won the World Series, what, 2016? They're awful. You build it up. You squeeze as much success out of it as you can, and then you break it down. And then you build it back up again. That's just how it works. Let's go to the rush line. 301-759-2628. You're up. Who's this? This is Dave. Dave. Yes. Where are you calling from? Tony. Where are you calling Frostburg. from? I'm a Frostburg guy. All right, Frostburg guy. Dave, what's going on, brother? I, you know, I ride back and forth to Cumberland, but, um, you know, you've been part of my life for about two years now, like you said, this morning riding in, and um, I just wanted to wish you well, brother. Well, you I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. I, uh, I enjoyed your show. Now, I should have smelled a rat. That guy in the afternoon on twelve thirty. What's the name? Bongino. <laughs> what do you got? What's going on, man? What are they stupid to that for, man? I don't know, man. I, that's, that's that. That's a phone call for somebody else. Right on. Well, it's about you today, man, and I've appreciated it, and I hope you w- wish you well. And uh, I'll t- still try to stick with twelve thirty. But uh, well, hey, one question is. Is the thirteen ninety the same megawatt or the same output? Uh, yeah, thirteen ninety and twelve thirty is the same, but thirteen ninety is in Kaiser, so it doesn't exactly get up here. Uh, very, very rarely, on a good clear night, you can get thirteen ninety up around this area, but it's very rare. 
Okay. Uh, well, that I I can pick it up. You know, I run old Silverados, but uh, right. It, you know, I, I've been disappointed, man. And then yesterday, you know, finally figured out you're leaving. I said, "Well, my goodness." So. Yeah, well, I, you know, and that's that's part of this that really stinks. Yeah. Is you know, uh, people who listen in and who've listened to the show for the past two years, me leaving. I, I do. I honestly do feel like I'm letting people down. But well, yeah. no, man, we're with you. So we're wishing you well and uh, keep in touch. I guess is when we you know go through Amanda or something. Say, hey, hey, you never know, man. You you never know what what the future holds. Like I said, who knows? I might be back in a part-time capacity. You might be hearing me doing All right. basketball, football. You, you never know. Okay. But well, uh, but I appreciate I, it, Dave. Hey, and I mean it. I, I've been trying to – and then I said, walking from where I park to where I get where I work, I said, can I remember that number? Can I remember <laughs> that number? Can I remember? <laughs> so I give it a shot, Tony. Good well, luck, brother. I'm glad you remembered. I'm glad you called, Dave. Uh, best wishes yeah. to you, buddy. All right. All right. Well. Thanks for the call. Dave from Frostburg checking in. 301. 759-2628. I thought Dave was going to get emotional there for a second. I was almost emotional there for a second. And this is what happens. This is what happens when something like this comes to an end. And you never quite know. And I was going to get into this later. I might as well get into it now since Dave brought it up. You never, when you're on a small station like this, and it's a small station, it's a thousand watt station. So it, the, the, the outreach isn't, Great. Look, across the hall, we have WQZK. That's a 50,000-watt stick. You can get QZK from, like, Oakland to Hagerstown and beyond, right? This is a little tiny station. And uh, Dave asked about uh, WKLP, 1390 in Kaiser. The idea was, because this station is a, 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 a small station, and 1390 is a small station, and a lot of people travel up and down 220 from Cumberland to Kaiser and back. So the idea, the thought was, well, if you're driving from Cumberland to Kaiser, as this station starts to fade out, then you just pick up 1390 when you're heading to Kaiser. So you really don't miss anything. And then vice versa. You're coming back from Kaiser, you're on 1390. As you head up 220 and that starts to fade out, you tune into 1230, boom. That, that was that was the idea behind it. Now, the stations are uh, a bit different. They started out the same, but it just they kind of went in different directions. There's a lot of stuff on 1390 is, is out of Morgantown, our Metro News stuff and whatnot. Uh, as, far, as far as Bongino in the afternoon, that wasn't my call. That's, that's all I can say about that. That wasn't my call. Uh, so, again, that's a phone call for somebody else. Uh, some, people love, some people love the show. Some people hate it. I guess you could probably say the same thing about this show, this show right here. This show isn't for everybody. But uh, you know, the one thing that you realize when something like this comes to an end is because it's a small station, getting back to my original point, you never quite know who's listening. You never quite know who all is out there because there's no Nielsen ratings for small stations like this. There's no... There's no real way to gauge how many people are actually out there listening at any point in time. Call or hold on. So you you don't know. You always know somebody's listening, okay? And that's the one thing that you learn early on in radio is no matter what time of the day it is, no matter what time of the night it is, no matter what's on the air, no matter how big or how small the station, there's always somebody listening. So you always give your best effort, even if it's just one person, right? 
So you know there's always somebody out there, but you never quite know how much. And the one thing I've realized in the past two weeks since I announced, well, actually the past week, I guess, since I announced that I was leaving, is I learned that a lot more people were listening than I thought. And I do. I feel bad about that. I, I honestly do. Because you feel like you're letting people down. Like Dave from Frostburg just said. You know, he, he, he tuned in a lot in the morning, you know, driving to and from, you know, Cumberland and Frostburg. And I feel like I'm letting Dave down by leaving. You know, I'm, I got to take care of myself first and foremost. And that's why, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. But I've, I've, I've learned in this past week that there are more people out there tuning in than I thought. And that, that kind of makes me feel good. All right, back to the rush line, 301-759-2628. You're up. Who's this? The fan, co-worker, and friend, James. James Lord, what's going on, brother? Hey, buddy. Hey, you know, you leaving, there's a lot of little things I'm going to miss. Like, And I'm going to try to imitate this as, as best <laughs> as I can. <laughs> That's a check of your weather. Here's Amanda with the check of your news. Check of your news. Stuff like that. Absolutely. I'm going to miss it. Little so, t- little tiny things that I added to try to, you know, my own little <laughs> my own little flair, my own little touch. Shum on. Shum on. Shum on, baby. <laughs> and, of course, I didn't confuse that with you saying shalom. I, no. I know what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's an so, homage to Michael Jackson. Shum on. That's right. So, uh uh, these bumps with with your voice and, and and just not with sports, just commercials in general. Are we going to lose that too? Hey, it's all gone, man. I, like I said earlier, I'm just not leaving the show. I'm leaving the company. I'm 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 done. As of like, yeah, a, but that voice is recorded. Why not just well, play it? well, okay, well, uh, all right. Let me backtrack. Yeah, if I've already done something like certain spots, yeah, they'll still be on the air until yeah. though you know that runs out and they they pull out to pull them off. So little things like that, sure. I'll you know, I'll be I'll be there in spirit, <laughs> but <laughs> just won't be in the building anymore. That's all. So you and I, we go back to we go way back, way back, yeah, way back, right? Because uh, we we were working with Jack back yeah. in the day. Yeah, I had the extra point show. That's right. We were a contributor, and that's right. Way back when Q Alec- when Q was still in Kaiser, out of Kaiser. Right, and uh, then we was Allegheny Radio Seven. So going back to 04 to now, mm-hmm. your favorite moment as a sports broadcaster, oh, what was it? I don't you know what somebody asked me that the other day. Joe Shooter asked me that, and I honestly don't know. Um I, I did say there was one moment in particular I was calling a football game, high school football game. And, and I'll, I'll try to keep us clean. Right before we came back on the air, somebody uh, had a natural uh, gas emission, <laughs> and it wasn't Rick Wolford, was it? I don't think it was Rick. I don't think it was. I, I, there's only there's only two of us. And honestly, I can't remember who it was in the booth with me at that time because there's been so many of them. But right, it's right before we come back from commercial, and we both start laughing, <laughs> and we couldn't stop laughing. Even, even when we're back on, it's one of those moments that you remember. That it, 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 whether you're hanging out with friends or, or whatever, when somebody either cracks a joke or cracks obviously something else, that you just can't stop laughing. And we try to keep it together. The game is already back underway, and we're trying to call the game. And we're just, and, and obviously people listening have no idea what we're laughing about, and we can't tell them. <laughs> and it went on for a good five minutes, just until we can finally compose ourselves. But I, that sticks out. It was just it was just a funny moment. Um, that you obviously try to avoid on live radio, but uh, that sticks out uh, again. But there are other things, so many things 
Um, too many in account over what I say, 95 was a 20, what is that? Do the math, 26 years? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's been a bunch. Bunch of good people, good moments for sure. Now, see, that's where you and I differ, because if it was me and Zaff in the booth and that happened... You would have said it. We would definitely yeah. touch base on that. <laughs> but if I had a million dollars to burn, I would have put it on, it was Rick. I don't think so, because anytime, I work, anytime <laughs> I work with Rick, there's always been like three people in the booth. This was only a two... I can't... I honestly can't remember who it was. That's a shame. I'm getting old. It happens. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to miss. It wasn't doing the sports broadcast and it was everything else. It was the work that we put into it. Right. It was it was it was us hanging out after the broadcast cuz you and I and Rick and Jim and the shipways and who at Chapin, we'd be, we'd be hanging out at Denny's or we'd go <laughs> right. to B-dubs or Applebee's or whatever and just sitting and talking about other things other than the sports. Of course, we had to pepper it with sports too. Oh, absolutely. It's that behind the scenes stuff that people don't get to hear. And I, I've said it before, you know, we try to put a great show on the air here or whether it's a football broadcast or whatever. An even better show would be the stuff that people don't see and don't hear. Because that, you know, that's the realer stuff. That Sure. You know, I mean, that's why I show like Hard Knocks. It's such a fascinating show to watch yeah. because it's everything other than the game. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the conversations that we have sometimes during a break – are just classic, and that's when we laugh and goof off and obviously say things that aren't suitable for the air. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good times, man. You know, And like I, like I said, who, this, it's the end for now. You might see me back uh, if people want me back in a part-time, you know, maybe a football game, basketball game. But uh, for now, I just I walk away clean and, you know, no regrets. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I think I might be – able to put my finger on your most infamous infamous moment. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, now, it, it, I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that you're walking away right when Coach Jones walked away from Zamata. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Coach Jones, man. My man Coach I, Jones from Demal, yeah. You and I touched base on this a while back. I think I sent a text, and uh, it was about him, and you didn't want to go into detail, but I will. You know, Coach Jones, uh, uh, he's a D.C. guy. Right. And, and you know, we're, we're doing this up in Frostburg State. They get hounded by local media down there all the time. Oh, yeah. But we have to do it. Right. So he gets you – we get him over there. You're talking to him, <laughs> and they had just won. And and you said – I said ne- I, I said, never gets old, does it, Coach? Yeah. And he said, yeah, but some things do. And yeah. he just gave you that look, and you pushed yourself away from the table, and you were gone. Oh, I was mad. I was mad. Yeah, uh, that's one of my downfalls in this business. Sometimes my sometimes my skin wasn't as thick as it should have been. Uh, and over talking to Coach Jones, other times he was great. He did an interview um, right before the AC was ACIT was postponed. I talked to all the coaches because that's when uh, Coach Morgan Wooten passed away. Right. And so I talked to Coach Jones and Coach Ferrello and all those guys. And uh, Coach Jones was great. But that one moment, that one particular moment, just, yeah, it irked me. I never forgot. I never forgot it. So <laughs> stuff like that in hindsight is funny. It is. Yeah, I look back at it now. But at the moment, at that time, yeah, I, I didn't find too much humor in it. Because he, 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 was de- he was dead serious. 
But, hey, we were doing it for fans because we oh, were yeah. streaming. People back in D.C. and Baltimore and Afghanistan, right. they, wanted, they wanted to hear what his thoughts were yeah. on their win. That comes, that comes with, and, and, and Burke and I just had this conversation the other day about dealing with coaches in all the years that we've been in newspaper and radio. And, you know, some coaches were easy to talk to and interview, and some coaches were stubborn, and it was just the way they were. And that's just, that comes with the territory. But just right. that one particular moment, for whatever reason, it just it got under my skin and kind of stayed there for a while. Right. Well, I'll tell you, Tony, because um, I know you got a show to do. It's your last one. Uh, I'm going to hop off here. But I'll tell you this. You know, Jack's, Jack's perception of me is kind of the way that I, I have of you. Jack always felt like I was a big market guy in a small market. And I always felt that way for you. I always felt – you were going to walk away and, and get into that national spotlight. But, you know, your passion's coaching, and, and I get it. And, and you got to do what, what you do. Right. And it's coaching first. And I, my hat's off to you. Well, you bro- know, brother, I appreciate it. We go way back. We had a lot of good times. I appreciate all your hard work. Uh, all the, I know people don't even understand how much effort and work you put into just doing a single football game. Seriously, well, see, and it's it's a tunnel, and I'm not blowing smoke because I don't blow smoke. No, no, you don't. So no. you know, and your effort was always appreciated. There are some part timers or people who would just, oh, it's only a high school game. Who really cares? <laughs> and just blow it off. Not you. Well, I mean, you you dove into it head first every single time, and well, that's that was always appreciated. I, I'll tell you, Tony, I'm I'm sensitive, and uh, you know, you you made us, you pushed us, you made us work harder. And uh, a lot of times I'd come to you with ideas or whatever, and you're like, no, you shut me down, <laughs> which is good. But yeah. there was one time I kind of got upset with you, Uh-oh. and I told Zap. Zap was at a meeting. We always have the football meetings in August. Right. And I couldn't make it one year. Right. And he, and he said, Tony had some good things to say about you. I said, what? And he said, Laura kills himself to get ready for these games. And if you guys did half the work he did, we'd all sound much better. I'm like, why can't Tony tell me that when I'm there? <laughs> you <laughs> should have been why. there. You should have been there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's why. You know what I mean? You you're, you push us you do, to do better. You always did your best. And just like Dave up in Frostburg said, we're all going to miss you. Uh, it, it, you. You were our morning, so – uh, it's going to be hard to replace you. We'll, we'll move on. You'll like move you'll, on. You'll, you'll be, will. You'll be fine. With, you'll be fine without me. That's right. But, you'll be, uh, guys be fine without me. I'm still looking forward to working with you in some part time capacity in the future. Yeah, man. Won't be a, won't be a stranger for sure. All right, brother. James, Good luck to you. take care, man. We'll miss you. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Later on, brother. All right, there you go, James Lord checking in, saying his final farewells. Getting emotional up here. On the rush, some farewells here. Lord's a great guy, man. Does a great job, great work. Always appreciate his effort. Always. All right, time for a break. We went way long. It's my last show. I don't care. Weather and news coming up here just a bit. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Final show. For your boy, Tony C., in the big chair. I'm not taking the big chair with me, so it'll stay here. As uh, the great hairband Europe once said, it's the final countdown. You know, uh, before we get back to the games uh, from last night, uh, James called in uh, last segment. And he said something, and I'm glad he said it. 
I'm glad somebody picked up on it. Uh, he said that, I don't know if he said it about me or the show or both or whatever, that I kind of gave a, a big market effort or a big market sound to a small market station or something to that effect. That's exactly what we tried to do here. That is exactly the effort that we try to get across here. A lot of this show, and I said this way back in the day when it first started, a lot of this show, uh, so I stole a lot of stuff. I, I borrowed some stuff. One of my favorite, if not the, my favorite sports talk host ever is Scott Farrell. Uh, longtime national guy Pharrell on the bench. If you heard his voice, you know exactly who he is. I'm sure you've seen him on a lot of NFL Network's uh, NFL programming, top 10 list. It's Pharrell on the bench, waxing it up. That guy. Listen to him religiously. And so I, I try to model this show after his because I love this stuff. I love what he did. The cornball stuff, the cheesy stuff. The little things that James brought up that just kind of make the show unique. That's what I tried to do. And I'm glad I at least succeeded in one person's mind that tried to give it a big market national feel in a small market. So when James said that, I was like, okay, well, mission accomplished at least, you know, according to James. And I, uh, I appreciate and respect James' opinion. So, there you go. Always try to give it that big market sound. And I borrowed several things from Pharrell over the years. Several things. You ever listen to his show opens? My opens, very similar. Look, look there's not much original, originality left in anything. You kind of got to you know borrow things from people and kind of make it your own. Tweak it. And that's what I did. That's what I did. This show was always an homage to Scott Farrell, always, because he's my favorite. All right, uh, Rush Line is open, 301-759-2628. You want to get involved on today's uh, conversations. Reminder, next hour, my main man, Joe Shuda, uh, he will have our final Rush Friday feature as he talks with Matt Caps, a former Pirates closer and current uh, Pirates TV and radio analyst you don't want to miss that. Now, we were talking about uh, the Steelers game last night uh, against the Eagles. Uh, one more Steelers note to pass along. According to multiple reports, it was first reported by uh, NFL Network and then ESPN. The Steelers, they have traded for Jacksonville linebacker Joe Schobert. Now, terms of the trade, including what the Steelers had to give up, not yet known. Now, the Jags, they signed Schobert, I think it's pronounced Schobert, to a five-year a five-year deal just last year, March 2020. And they trade him because they're tearing things down and building it back up. In the one season that he played in Jacksonville, Schobert had 141 tackles, two and a half sacks, and three interceptions. Not bad for a middle linebacker. And that's where the Steelers need help at inside backer because Vince Williams retired uh, just before training camp started. Devin Bush and Robert Spillane, uh, they started inside last night. Schobert's strength 
is in pass coverage. And if you watch the early part of last night's game, Bush and Spillane, uh, they do not excel <laughs> in pass coverage. They would have trouble covering me after a night of drinking. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Now, again, I don't know who the Steelers sent to Jacksonville. And you remember, earlier this week, uh, receiver James Washington requested a trade from Pittsburgh. So maybe, maybe uh, he was part of that deal, and maybe he's headed south uh, for the winter. We'll have to see. Uh, as far as last night's game, it is what it is. It's a pre, it's preseason football. Right? You give your starters some reps, you pull them out, and you let the rest of the guys fight for roster spots. That's what the preseason is. The only thing that last night proved is that the Steelers' second and third teamers are far and away better than the Eagles. At, at one point in the second half, the Steelers had 18 first downs to zero for Philadelphia in the second half. Dwayne Haskins looked real good. His natural talent was never a question. In Washington, uh, 16 to 22, 161 yards and a TD. But again, you take it with a grain of salt because it comes against a bunch of backups. I guess the one good thing you could say is that he did perform well against the backups. You'd be worried, right, if he struggled against the backups. Uh, Steelers had 152 yards rushing, something they continue to emphasize. That number would have been the second most rushing yards in any game all of last season. After the game, head coach Mike Tomlin, uh, already in midseason postgame form. Lessons to be learned um, through tonight's performance. It's good to learn those lessons while you win. Um, even in August, you know, I tell those guys if they turn the scoreboard on, we play and play to win. Uh, so it's going to be exciting to just go through this process and comb through this tape and address the myriad of technical issues and problems that that we created and Philadelphia created. Um, Got to give kudos to them, and they had some challenging things for us. Tomlin apparently uh, doing that interview on a 1974 rotary phone. Uh, Big Ben did not play last night. Uh, Tomlin said Ben will play against the Lions uh, next week. In the other game uh, last night, Washington loses to the Patriots, and again, you take it for what it's worth. As we've said multiple times on this show, preseason games aren't for us. It's for coaches to evaluate personnel heading into the regular season. That's what it's for. Final scores simply do not matter in the preseason unless you have money on the games. All right? And if you have money on preseason games, you should probably seek some help. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Steven Montez, the rookie out of the University of Washington, uh, played well for Washington. But just like with Haskins, it was against a bunch of backups. But still, decent numbers, 17-24, a buck 8 and a TD. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he did what you want him to do. You get in for a couple series, complete some passes, knock off the rust, and then you get him out of the game. It's, that's it. That's, that's preseason for you, especially in the opener. Now, along with uh, Taylor uh, Heineke, the three Washington quarterbacks combined to complete 31 of 47 passes, 245 yards, a TD, and a pick. So overall, a good quarterback play for Washington last night. Defense, as you expect, it was last season, going to be against this season, or, uh, again this season. Washington's defense strong. They held the Pats to just 16 first downs. Now, look, they did give up 179 yards rushing, but most of that was to the rookie, Ramondre Stevenson. 
but even he had a 91-yard run with just over a minute to play. So while the number is big, it's inflated. Again, you got to remember who, what time of the game it happened, who it happened against. It's preseason. Ron Rivera, in true preseason fashion, said uh, he liked some of the things he saw. Very happy with some of the uh, ball movement early on. I thought we made some plays downfield when we had to. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't convert one one, one situation. And then, uh, you know, I was really pleased with it, though. I really was. I thought there were some really good things, like what I got from the first offensive line. Um, it looks like Logan's picking up where he left off. Uh, the running game seemed to click pretty well. I mean, there was a lot of good things that we're going to, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to be feeling good about. And then there's a lot of things that we're going to look at and say we got to get better at. Uh, as far as the Patriots and their quarterback situation, uh, Bill Belichick insists that Cam Newton is his starting quarterback week one. Uh, Newton last night, limited action, uh, four of seven for 49 yards. The rookie, Mac Jones, 13 of 19 for 87 yards. Next up for the Washington Fighting Riveras, uh, they will host the Bengals next Friday night. And do not forget the Ravens, open up uh, their preseason tomorrow night at home against the Saints, and we'll have that game. I say we. I guess I'll still be. I guess uh, Technically, I guess I'm still employed until Sunday, right? I think that's what it is. Uh, but we will have that game for you tomorrow night. I think it's a 7 o'clock kick, uh, 6.30 pregame, if I'm not mistaken. We also have Nationals baseball uh, for you tonight on the stage, and hopefully <laughs> see if the Nationals can get a win. And we talked about this yesterday. If by chance you are headed to the Ravens game uh, tomorrow night at MT uh, Stadium, you got to wear a mask. That all that stuff's starting to come back now. I know, I know. Anytime you're at MT and you are in an indoor situation, you got to have a mask on. If you're in your seat, no mask, whether you're vaccinated or not. But if you are in any indoor situation at MNT, you must have a mask on unless you are actively eating or drinking. And I, just, I saw the Saints. The Saints announced that uh, you got to wear a mask no matter what. If you want to go to a Saints game at the start of the season, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, you got to mask up to go into uh, the Superdome. Again, it is what it is. It is what it, there's nothing you can do about it. You kind of thought that we were past it. You kind of thought that that was no longer necessary. And uh, you kind of thought wrong. Because, and look, the Saints are going to be the first ones, by the way. The first of many. You're going to start seeing teams do it. We're going to start seeing in baseball stadiums. We're going to start seeing in football stadiums as the Delta variant continues to grow. The concern and the worry continues to grow. And boy, we're just we're gonna go through this crap all over again. It's just it's coming back full circle, isn't it? And it stinks. It stinks to absolute high heaven. If you look here, I'm gonna, before we go to break, real quick. If you thought people fought wearing masks the first time around, good luck this time around. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't want to get into it too deep. It's time for a break. But people who are vaccinated and you're going to tell them they got to wear a mask, good luck with that. If you thought it was a, it was a, a tough road to hoe the first time, I'm staying out of it this time. All right. Uh, hour number one in the books. Remember, coming up next hour, Joe Shuda with Matt Caps. Stick around for that. 
as the rush rolls on. WCMD. This is the morning rush. I love that uh, hour open, by the way. The voices there you heard was uh, PB, who called in a lot before the time change. And I understand why he hadn't called in uh, because of his work schedule. Like when we were 7 to 9, he would call in. I'm sorry, when we were 6 to 9, he would call in during a 6 o'clock hour a lot because he hadn't had gone to work yet. But when we switched to 7 to 9, he couldn't call anymore. Then when we switched back to 6, I just don't know if he knew about it. I <laughs> haven't heard from – and then Jason from Carlisle, uh, what also another one of my favorite callers, uh, part of that hour open right there. Jason, I haven't heard from Jason, but I think Jason is a football guy. I have a feeling if the show continued – into football season, we would have heard from Jason from Carlisle again. Because he was really, he loved to talk football. But uh, PB and Jason from Carlisle, just two of the uh, two of the callers, two of the, the people who made this show uh, what it was. And I always appreciate, I always appreciate the calls. Ah, what am I doing here? Oh, uh, several ways to get involved on the show. Let's run down that list one last time. Twitter, hit me up. Leave me a message. Let's talk. At WCMD Morning Rush. Uh, my Twitter page, at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C, not the word. Facebook, at WCMD uh, Cumberland Radio. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance on this funky Friday morning. Shamo. 301-759-2628. Twenty-six, twenty-eight. I'm telling you what, the closer we get to the end of the show, the more it starts to sink in, uh, little by little. And of course, our podcast page on the uh, free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. Uh, so if you missed anything, any show, today's or previous shows, uh, go back and check it out. So for instance, if you missed uh, the first hour, we talked last night's football games, some baseball, had a couple calls. Uh, Dave and Frostburg calling in, uh, bidding me a fond farewell. Uh, James called in as well. So you can listen to all that and uh, this hour on that uh, podcast page. Again, that page won't go away. Uh, it'll be there until I decide to take everything down. All right. Uh, reminder, we got Joe Shuda, his Rush Friday feature with Matt Caps coming up here in just a bit. So uh, before we get to that, let's uh, one more time. One. Wow. Yeah. One final time, let's rock around the region. I want to rock right now. And we'll make this quick so we can get to uh, Joe's interview. In the NFL last night, uh, the Washington Fighting Riveras opened postseason play against New England. And the Patriots won the game 22-13. Uh, to Ramondre Stevenson ran for 127 yards and two touchdowns for the Patriots. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 5 for 8, 58 yards in limited action for Washington. Steven Montez uh, threw for 108 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. The other game last night, the Steelers were at the Eagles. Uh, Eagles led 13-7 at the half. But in the second half, it was Dwayne Haskins to the rescue. Haskins back with a shotgun. There is a free play with a marker down. End zone touchdown. 
I tell you what, that guy Haskins showed me something there. He knew he had a free play, and he just took his time. And Anthony Johnson, a kid from where is that? Buffalo. That would be University of Buffalo Large Prairie Mammals, otherwise known as UB Bulls. The call on the Steelers radio network of Pittsburgh second and third teamers dominate the second half as uh, they beat the Eagles 24 to 16. Haskins threw for 161 yards and the touchdown again. Uh, that was primarily against players who likely won't be around uh, week one. No Ben Roethlisberger again for the Steelers. He will play against the Lions next week. Uh, Mason Rudolph started, went eight for nine for 77 yards. And one more Steelers note, they have reportedly uh, come to an agreement. They have traded for Jacksonville linebacker Joe Schobert. Uh, details of the trade, including what the Steelers sent to Jacksonville, not yet available. Schobert, 141 tackles for the Jags last season. Major League Baseball, the Pirates, Orioles, and Nationals played a combined four games yesterday as the Nationals and Mets played a doubleheader. And for the fourth straight day, none of them won. <laughs> In the opener of that doubleheader, Mets beat the Nats 4-1. to one. In the nightcap, the game was tied for, remember, Doubleheader games or seven innings, right? The game was tied 4-4 in the bottom of the seventh. Here's the 2-0 pitch. Swing and a high fly ball to left field. It's deep. Stevenson back at the track. At the wall, he jumps, and it's gone for a home run. Put it in the books. Pete Alonso goes deep. He tucks it just over the 358 mark into the M&M Sweet Seats. A game-winning home run for Pete Alonso. The call on WCBS, second career walk-off homer for Pete Alonzo as the Mets won the game 5-4 to sweep the doubleheader and the three-game series. Uh, Victor Robles had an RBI double in each game for Washington, which has lost 11 of 14. In Pittsburgh, the Pirates were finally able to score more than one run against the Cardinals. Uh, too bad they didn't, you know, score enough. Brubaker comes to the set in his 0-1 and is swinging a fly ball out to deep right field. Blanco is back toward the wall, and there it goes into the first row of seats. Lars Newtbar with his first Major League home run, and two Cardinals long balls here in the fourth have given them a 5-3 lead. The call on the Pirates Radio Network, Lars Newtbar, one of my favorite names in all of sports. Break me off a piece of that, Lars Newtbar. He homers a 7-6 the final, Cardinals win, and they get the three-game sweep. Colin Moran homered twice and drove in four runs for the Bucks, who have lost eight straight games. Uh, they have been outscored 50-18 to 18 during that losing streak. And in Baltimore, the Tigers used a big fourth inning to get past the Orioles. Drives one deep left field. That's got carry. That ball's gone. Renato Nunez, welcome back to Baltimore. And he gives the Tigers a 3-1 lead. Reyes drives one deep left field. That ball is off the foul pole. A home run, a two-run shot. Second homer of the inning for the Tigers. Third homer of the year for Victor Reyes. The calls on Bally Sports Detroit. Five runs for the Tigers in the fourth inning. And they go on to beat the O's 6-4 to sweep that three-game series. Baltimore has now lost eight straight. Uh, DJ Stewart had two solo homers for the O's. Cedric Mullins had three hits to extend his hit streak to 19 games. Miguel Cabrera did not play. He is still stuck on home run number 499 for 
the Tigers. And that is your final Rock Around the Region. Brought to you by the Caporale Group. So let's one more time do that. Right there in file 13. There we go. All right. Time now for our uh, very last Rush Friday feature. My main man, Joe Shuda, has been a great contributor to this station with his two-minute timeouts you'll hear throughout the day. Great contributor uh, to the show with his Friday features. Uh, great friend, uh, to tell you the truth. A great mentor. Many conversations I've had with Joe. Uh, off the air, on the phone, uh, a lot of insight because he too was a uh, longtime radio guy. Catch all of Joe's stuff, the timeouts, the interviews on his website, twominutetoe.com. That's the number, two minutetoe.com. And uh, today, Joe catches up with former uh, Pirates closer Matt Caps. Uh, he's also a current Pirates uh, analyst. So here it is, Rush Friday feature uh, with my main man. Joe Shuda. It's time for the Rush Friday feature with Joe Shuda. My guest on the Rush Friday feature pitched in all or parts of eight major league seasons, five with the Pirates. He's currently a rotating color analyst on both the radio and television broadcast for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Matt Caps, thanks for joining me as we talk a little baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about what it was like for you growing up athletically. You know, today so many parents are crazy that their kids are going to get a college scholarship and going to go pro or whatever. But what was it like for you? Uh, playing in the big leagues was a dream come true. It's something I uh, wanted to do since I was knee high to a grasshopper. It's really all I've thought about uh, my whole life is being in baseball and being involved with baseball and playing. I didn't think I was going to be a pitcher. I played everything growing up. Uh, caught actually was going to college uh on a catching scholarship with lsu but i had a good arm and the draft came around and they drafted me to to pitch and that's what i decided to do i actually um in high school i didn't care to pitch a whole lot if i'm being honest and uh, the draft came i signed with the pirates and i i grew to love it so i wouldn't change it if i could but i was a, a four sport athlete growing up my parents in high school had a uh, rule for my brother and I, if we weren't playing a sport, we had to go get a job, and um, I wasn't quite ready to go to work. So I did everything. I played football, played basketball, obviously played baseball, and I ran one year across country to keep from having to go into the workforce. At about 15 or 16, most kids figure out what they're good at athletically. At what point did you realize you were above average athletically and might have a shot go to the next level? I started thinking about college probably about – that 16, 17, that maybe I've got a chance of going to, to play college baseball. Even had some pretty good Division One offers to play college football. So I, I, I guess I started thinking I was okay uh, at that point. My, I had a good group of friends, and then my dad, uh, they all did a really nice job of keeping me grounded. And, yeah, you know, I'm pretty self-driven, so nothing really seemed to be good enough for me. So um, I kept working and, you know, I got the letters, the scholarship letters, the scholarship offers from different colleges. It's like, all right, well, that kind of drove me even more. Um, had I felt a sense of responsibility to those coaches that were making the offers and sticking their neck out for me. And I wanted to come through on my end. 
Why so, the decision to, to go to play professional baseball as compared to college? So many guys figure maybe I need a couple more years to mature. What about your decision? Uh, thinking about more years to mature never really crossed my mind at that age. That's candidly not something I thought about at all. Uh, at the end of the day, I knew I was going to college to play baseball. And I was a good student. I had to be a good student or I couldn't do anything. But I was a good high school student. And um, I don't know, like, like I said at the beginning of the conversation, all I've ever thought about doing with my life was being a baseball player. So what am I going to go to college and study? Baseball? And they give you a degree in that. So um, when the opportunity came to, to go pro and get drafted and chase that dream, it really wasn't much of a decision to be made at all. I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do and where I was trying to take my life. Matt Caps joins us on the Rush Friday feature. Matt, you were one of the better guys from your area. Now you go to the minors and you have all of the other good guys. Everyone's together. And I talked to so many guys who had a tough time, maybe the first couple of weeks or first couple of months, and they get really discouraged. What about you? How did you keep going? A lot of times guys talked, they called their dad, and their dad said, just hang in there, take it easy. How tough was it for you at first? Well, my first year and a half was I don't want to say easy, but it was it was smooth. I had some success early, and uh, the Pirates did a nice job of putting me in a situation to be successful. And that first half of the season, you know, because you get drafted in June, and then it's the end of July uh, before you sign, or mid July before you sign and go. So I was only that first season. I was only there for six weeks or so, um, but I had some good success on the mound. They used me as a reliever, and then the next year they brought me in. Uh, I was at rookie ball as a starter and I had a fantastic season. So I had some early success and was able to build off that. And, you know, the struggles for me came in 2004. They sent me to low A and I did, I did lean on my dad. I leaned on my dad. I leaned on my, my friends, uh, the scout that drafted me. I leaned on him a lot. Uh, even some of my teammates. I mean, I had some teammates that, uh, I was there with that were having some success. There was one guy named Blair Johnson that was, uh, he was struggling pretty bad as well, just like I was. And you know, it was the first time for either one of us to really have struggles. So we kind of went through it together and I leaned on him and he leaned on me and um, we kind of got each other through it. September 16th, 2005, your debut in the majors. What do you remember about that? Oh, what don't I remember? Um, I remember how busy of a day it was. I think that's the, the biggest thing. Um, remember how busy I was. We were in Indianapolis, and it was such a wild ride. I started that year in low A and went to double A August 1st, and then, you know, a month and a half later, I'm in the big leagues at PNC Park. And I got on a plane with Bam Bam Mullins, Hensley Mullins, who's um, – since gone on, he was our hitting coach, our AAA uh, hitting coach, and he's since gone on and had a nice coaching career with the Giants and a couple other teams, no longer with the Pirates. But uh, Bam Bam and I got on a plane together in Indianapolis, and all of a sudden they're getting us off the plane. Well, okay. Uh, we get off the plane. There's some kind of engine failure or something like that. they got to bring a mechanic in. All right, well, we sat there for an hour. We sat there for two hours. We sat there for three hours. Long story short, we finally, they get a new plane in, and we finally take off from Indianapolis flying to Pittsburgh, and we land 
and pit at 6.30. Uh, get off the plane. We run into baggage claim. Oh, yeah, your bags are on the other plane. Um, so we didn't have our bags. Uh, catch a cab, and we go to PNC Park, and Bam Bam looks at me, and he goes, all my credentials are in my suitcase. Well, so we can't get into the ballpark, so we kind of stood outside the gate and had to wait. <clears throat> Finally, uh, Brian Manitti, who was an intern when I first got drafted with me, finally Brian Manitti comes down, and uh, he's now an assistant GM for Pittsburgh at this time, and opens the gate, gives me a hug, congratulations, lets us in uh, into the service tunnel. We go down to the clubhouse, and the game's already going on. Uh, the baseball game's in like the third inning at this point. Well, I don't have any of my gear. I got to get some gear from some guys. I got to get some shoes from the clubhouse guy. They don't have pants for me. They don't have a jersey for me. So, like, everything is just being slapped together kind of on the spot. And I walk out to the, to the dugout in the fifth inning, coming into the bottom of the fifth inning, and Zach Duke was pitching, and Zach and I were really close. So I gave Zach a high five, and he kind of looks at me like, what are you doing here? And he didn't know I'd gotten called up, and then he had one more inning to pitch. So then uh, I walked out to the bullpen, and I'm in the bullpen. I meet a bunch of guys. There's only two or three of them that I even knew. It's like Brian Bullington, whose cleats I had on, uh, Tom Gorzolani. There's a couple, maybe one other guy that I actually knew uh, previously before this happened. And I'm meeting everybody in the bottom of the fifth inning, and I sit down in the sixth inning, and then I end up pitching the seventh inning. I came in and – First pitch I throw, it's a base hit right up the middle by Chris DeNorfia. He steals second. I get a couple of strikeouts, and then DeNorfia scores on a uh, broken bat base hit over the shortstop's head. And then I get the last guy to pop up to left. So it's kind of a whirlwind. Um, I remember we went to dinner. I had some buddies and co- buddies of mine that were high school friends of mine that were going to college in Kentucky. They actually drove up for that game. And uh, we went to dinner, and then I remember laying down in the hotel bed like, I'm so tired. I don't think I'd ever been that tired in my life, and I slept like a baby. But um, certainly a day, your debut is a day that nobody will forget. Well, it's good you got a rest because the next year you pitched in 85 games, then 76 a year after that. What was working for you during those years? You had a tremendous ERA, 3.79 in 2006. 2.28 2.28 in 2007. What's working for you during those years? Well, I think I just commanded my fastball really well. You know, my slider was an okay pitch. My changeup didn't really exist uh, during my big league career. I just commanded the fastball, and I could throw the fastball inside and outside of the zone, and I think that's important, the outside of the zone part, because you can get guys to chase on the fastball, and, and now we're, you know, we see it more and more with the spin rate and what the metrics are telling us about guys. This guy can elevate, and it's unhittable at that point. This guy can or cannot sink the ball, but I think for me, it was just being able to throw it where I wanted it to go. I did have a pretty good little two-seamer that I could throw and, and could control it as well, but the biggest thing is I, I went right after guys, and um, if I got beat, they beat me. I wasn't going to let them beat me um, after I'd walked a couple of guys or anything like that. I was always on attack. You eventually became a free agent. <laughs> Baseball's a business. There's no doubt about it. The decision to leave the Pirates and then you went to the Nationals, what was that whole process like? 
I mean, obviously you didn't grow up a pirate fan, but you know, fans say, oh, why are you leaving our team? But what about that whole decision to, to become a free agent and leave the Pirates? Uh, they didn't want me anymore, so it was pretty easy. <laughs> they made the decision for me. I, um, if I had had it my way, I would have retired at Pittsburgh Pirate. I would have never left the Pirates. I, the organization that brought me up, gave me an opportunity, kind of developed me, and you know, in a way turned me into the, the man I am today. And um, there's a bit of loyalty in me. I think I was just kind of born this way and um, you know, really appreciated the opportunity that they gave me and the growth that I was able to have as a pirate and didn't want to leave. But uh, with that being said, good things came from it. I got an opportunity to play for the Nationals. I got an opportunity to play for the Twins and um, got hurt my last year with the Twins and got an opportunity to play with Cleveland and then here in Atlanta. And I finished with Arizona and I met some unbelievable people around baseball and outside of baseball that um, I never would have crossed paths with if um, if the Pirates hadn't let me go. So I uh, was heartbroken when it happened, but um, – you know, looking back, it's part of my story, and it's part of the story that I'm very appreciative of and grateful for. The author, John Updike, talks about athletes, and he says they die two times. First is when they can no longer perform athletically, and then obviously, you know, life after that. But what was it like for you? For so many guys, it's really tough. I mean, you're 33, 34 years old, and I mean, that's it. I mean, was it difficult for you to accept the fact that baseball was probably not going to be in your future, you know, in the next couple of years? You know what, saying that an athlete dies two times is a great way to put that because I did struggle with that. I struggled quite a bit with that, actually. And um, it's a mourning process, and, and I think something I still deal with. Uh, I'm in a good place now. I understand you know, my body and the good Lord have a different plan for what's left for me, however much time that is, uh, and I'm okay with that. But if I could still be playing, I'd better believe it <laughs> i have a uniform on right now somewhere um you know when you go your whole life just loving something the way that that i love the game of baseball and still love the game of baseball but the way i loved playing the game of baseball and then all of a sudden you know for me it's an injury that takes me out of it and then i'm accustomed to pitching and performing at a certain level and then i can't do that after the recovery process of a surgery and and the whole nine yards it's a mourning process and it's, um, yeah, it's not an easy thing to deal with, but certainly something you have to face and, and walk through, uh, and something that I struggled with. So final moments with Matt Caps, former pirate reliever, Matt, if you could go back and change anything, and obviously, you know, we can't change injuries, but is there anything that would change about your career? Um, yes. Yeah. I, this, this may sound kind of crazy, but I wouldn't have taken it as serious as I did. Um, obviously we want to do well. You want to pitch well, you want to have success. Um, but I wish I had allowed myself to have a little bit more fun, um, on the game, away from the game, during the game, you know, everything around it. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm not a stick in the mud by any means, but, uh, I think I cared so much about how I did that. Um, there were a lot of moments that could have been a little more enjoyable, uh, in and around the sport. Uh, that, you know, I just didn't allow myself to enjoy. I was, this could have been better. That could have been better. Um, maybe a little too critical 
on myself is, is the, a better way to say that. I wouldn't have been as critical on myself and I would have appreciated what I was doing and who I was doing it against. Well, we'll finish up here by you relating a funny or bizarre story about something during your time playing. Well, there's actually, there's quite a few of them. Um, most of them are not PG rated, but um, I told this story the other day and it was actually relates to my debut and people got a kick out of it because of the mindset and what kind of is going through people's minds and different things and, and whatnot. And a couple of people couldn't believe that I actually thought what I thought, but I told you about the whirlwind of my debut and so many things happening. And literally I sit down in the bullpen and I'm talking to the, to the bullpen coach. I just met him, Bruce Tanner and 90 seconds go by the phone rings. He gets up and answers it, points at me and says, caps, you're going in the game, get loose. So I start throwing, I get loose and, um, it's a kind of a quicker inning. So I probably threw 20, 25 pitches, go running through the bullpen door. And I kind of did take a second to take that in. Like, all right, this is pretty cool. And the next thing I remember is I'm right, like running into the shortstop position, uh, going to run across the infield. And I remember vividly thinking to myself, oh, God, it's about to be the dirt. Don't trip. And kind of having that run through my mind, uh, some people think it's funny. And it's a similar story to my All-Star game experience. Roy Halladay was pitching. I ended up coming in and pitching in the sixth inning. And <clears throat> the bullpen coach came up to me and said, hey, it's, it's Doc's bullpen day. So if he gets in any trouble, you're going to bail him out. He's got 25 pitches. And I remember thinking to myself, well, 25 pitches for Roy Halladay, that's like nine innings. He, um, he legitimately could go three innings on 25 pitches, so I got no chance of getting in this ball game. And I was taking that in, looking around. All of a sudden, there's a couple of guys on base. There's two outs, and Charlie Manuel's standing at the mound holding his right arm up. I haven't thrown a single pitch. And I've been playing catch, but I haven't had the catcher down at all. And I just, oh, my gosh, get him down. I fired off a couple. I ran across the infield or the outfield into the infield and then onto the mound. And Charlie Manuel was standing there, hands me the ball. He goes, all right, you got two on, two outs. Go get him, kid. And Brian McCann, who's a longtime friend of mine, I played with and against Brian uh, in high school here in Atlanta. Mac looks at me and goes, all right, what do you want to do? I said, well, Mac, I, I don't know who we got. And about that time, he turns, and I look around him, and there's David Ortiz on deck. So, good. Just the guy that won the home run derby yesterday. I was cheering for him to hit 1,000 home runs, 1,000 feet. Now i got to try to get him out with two guys on in the Major League All-Star game. So, Max says, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's get ahead of him early, and then let's finish him hard in. So, typical Matt Capps fashion. The plan is to get ahead of him early, and I throw a ball one, ball two. Okay? That, that worked out well. Um, so I took a step off the mound, back of the mound, kind of gathered myself, rubbing the ball up. I said, all right, you know what? This is the all-star game. That's David Ortiz. I'm not going to walk this guy. I'm coming right at him. It's either me or him. I'm not walking off this mound wondering who was better today. So I threw a four-seamer, strike one. 
threw a sinker that he fouled back, and then Mac put down slider. Now I'm at 2-2. He puts down slider. I shake. Puts down changeup. I shake. He goes sinker away. I shake. And then he starts shaking his head yes, like he remembered, all right, we're going to finish him hard in. And now uh, puts fastball in, and I come set, catch my breath, execute a pitch, strike three, looking. So not the the funniest stories, I guess, but um, lets you into the mindset of a of a reliever and a pitcher, and you know, kind of relate back a little bit to. I wish I had taken a moment just to enjoy that a little bit more uh, and understand what I was doing. Finally, Matt, what's the future for you? The future for me, I have no idea. Some broadcasting for the Pirates, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Um, I don't know if that's something that they're going to want to uh, expand on. Uh, I'm certainly open to the conversation. Uh, if that's something they want to talk about me doing more games than the 25-30 I'm going to work this year. I uh, live in Atlanta. I've got a nine-year-old and I've got a six-year-old. Uh, my nine-year-old's my son and my six-year-old's our little girl. And um, I'm enjoying being dad right now. And I've got Little League practice here in a couple hours. I'm taking my son, too. And my daughter's into dance and horse riding. And I kind of like being dad. Kind of fun. Matt, thanks for joining us on Rush Friday Feature. Best of luck to you. And let's go, Bucks. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This is the Morning Rush. Thanks once again to my main man, Joe Shuda, his Rush Friday feature. Great job there with uh, Matt Caps. If you missed any of that interview, check it out on our podcast page. I'll upload today's show, minus commercials, one last time uh, later on this morning. A reminder, hit me up on Twitter. You want to get involved in the next 15, 20 minutes at WCMD Morning Rush. Facebook at WCMD uh, Cumberland Radio, and of course, the Rush Line is open, 301-759-2628-301-759-2628. Uh, I don't say it very often about Major League Baseball, uh, and our friend, the venerable one, Mike Burke, says it even more infrequently than I do, but I think he would agree that MLB did something right for a change last night. Uh, the Field of Dreams game... I thought was fantastic. Uh, what an awesome scene, right? Middle of a cornfield, Dyersville, Iowa, the field of dreams, the original field, just a stone's throw away or a baseball throws away. Yankees and White Sox, the old-time uniforms, the small 8,000-seat uh, stadium that MLB built just for that occasion, which won't be the last, by the way. The Just the production value of it all. The romanticism of it all. When Kevin Costner came out of that cornfield, when he came walking out of the corn in center field, you got goosebumps. And then when the Yanks and White Sox came out of the cornfield, your goosebumps got goosebumps. It was it was done right. And the little speech that Costner gave in the middle of the field, he's surrounded by the players and the coaches. That was awesome. And it was so great when he asked, is this heaven? Because you could tell if you listen, because he asked it twice. Half the crowd cheered, and the the other half, you could hear him yell, no, it's Iowa. I thought that was a great moment. 
the aerial shots by Fox showing the new field right next to the movie field, it just it just worked well. It felt right. And quite frankly, it's been a long time since we could say that about Major League Baseball. The look of it, the feel of it, Fox, Major League Baseball did a great job. I thought trying to capture the era of baseball at that and the movie itself. And the game itself was awesome. Little home run derby. They combined for nine homers. Each team had at least four. And even the homers were cool because they just disappeared. They vanished into the cornfield. It was, it was over the whole thing was great. And I hope they do more of it. Now eventually the novelty will wear off. But at least for last night. And again, the game ended in Hollywood fashion. Yankees take the lead, a pair of two-run homers in the top of the ninth, and then Tim Anderson walks it off with a two-run homer in the bottom half. I mean, that's that's a Hollywood ending right there, right? It was great all around. Great all around. Great job by Major League Baseball. The Field of Dreams game. If you missed it, man, you missed out. Great lead up to it. And then a great game to boot. It, it, it would have taken some of the shine off of it if the game was like, you know, 10 to 1 or whatever. But the whole evening was great. Again, don't say it very often, but well done, uh, Major League Baseball and the Field of Dream Dreams games last night. I even liked the interview with Costner. I'm not a big Costner fan. But when he sat down with uh, Joe Buck and uh, John Schmoltz and, and he sat in a couple innings, sometimes I didn't quite know what he was talking about, but for the most part, I thought it was great. So good job all around by MLB and Fox. To get that Field of Dreams thing. They captured all of it. I thought it was fantastic. All right. One final break. Quick break. And then we're back to wrap it up. We're back uh, to give a, a final farewell from yours truly and the Morning Rush. Stick around. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Final minutes of the final show as uh, yours truly, as of 11 o'clock this morning, will be officially retired from the radio business after 26 years. Off to do other things. I'm going to continue coaching and whatever else the future holds, nobody really knows, but we'll go from there. I really didn't know how I wanted to end today's show. I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. I thought, you know what? Let's just do the show as regular. Let's just have another regular show and then just end it normally. And then just ride off into the sunset. And then I thought, well, maybe they could talk about it, discuss it, whatever. Uh, kind of just wind it down. So that's what we're going to do. We're just, we're just going to wind it down. And just talk about it for a bit. And if you want to get involved, 301-759-2628. Rush line is open. Been doing this for a long time, you know? Been doing radio for a long time. And I I probably couldn't have picked the worst time to do this. (laughs) I probably couldn't. I mean, my timing couldn't have been worse because uh, we dropped Little C off at college for the first time tomorrow. So come Monday... Great Jimmy Buffett song, by the way. I'm going to wake up with, you know, don't have to come to work. And the house is going to be empty. And it's going to absolutely kill me. 
It's going to kill me. So I probably could have done it a little bit. But you know what? When the time is right, the time is right. Everything has an expiration date. Everything. And uh, that's what leads us to today. Look, I've already been a mess over Little C going to college. I'm not even going to lie. It's been ramping up for days and weeks now. And it's just, it is what it is. Every parent has to go through it. It's, it's difficult to say the least. But, you know, before, I, I didn't want to get out of here without mentioning a, a few folks. Uh, some thank yous, I suppose. Joe Caporale, general manager, uh, the guy who rescued me from the overnight shift and gave me the opportunity to do the show. Something that I, the reason I got into radio was to do a sports talk show. And of course, that was 26 years ago. Finally got one. And, here, and the funny thing is, had I stuck it out a week longer, we would have reached the two-year mark of the show. August 19th would have been two years. Had I stuck it out a little bit longer after that, I would have reached a 10-year anniversary here at this company. How about that? But again, everything has an expiration date. Not much you can do about it. Uh, the several contributors to the show, uh, many thanks to them. My main man, Joe Shuda, who we just heard his Rush Friday feature uh, earlier in the hour. Again, check out his stuff on his website, 2MinuteTO.com. The venerable one, Mike Burke, had two stints here last year and then this year. Had some great times in the studio. Really did. The hardest working man in regional sports, Chapin Jewel of the Mineral Daily News Tribune, when he would have his, uh, he'd come in and do his weekly spots on the show. So many people, uh, did their part to contribute to this show, you know, and I thank them for it. You had guys like James Lord, Jim Zapp, Rick Wolford, doing countless number of high school football games, ACIT games, even some baseball games. Their efforts on this station, not just the show, always appreciate it. Folks I've worked with over the years, way too many to mention, met some great people during my time in radio, had some great times, and they will be missed for sure. And, of course, I can't get out of here without giving thanks to the listeners and the callers of the show. It's why we do it. Without the listeners and the callers, we're just talking to the wall. All right, Dwayne from Cumberland, the most loyal caller to this show. Didn't always see eye to eye, but that's okay. I always gave Dwayne a chance to put put in his two cents, and even if we didn't agree, it was cool. We were able to hear each other out and be okay with not being on the same page. And I think maybe a lot of people need to learn that approach. We had James, PB, Jason from Carlisle, frequent callers to the show. And look, some folks maybe even maybe just called once or twice. And that was cool because I appreciated it all. Matt, who didn't call the show, but always hit me up on Facebook with an opinion or a response. Then the coaches that came on the show. Again, way too many to name them all. Yeah, Coach Whiteman, Coach Snowberger, Coach Phillips, Coach Irons, Coach Burner, Coach Patterson, Coach uh, Beiser, Coach Hansel. We even got Coach Apple on the show one time, if you can believe that. Coach Alkire. Just so many coaches that come on to do interviews and talk about their programs and their kids, and their time was always appreciated. And I said earlier in the show, because the station is so small, you don't ever realize how many people are actually listening. Because we don't have Nielsen ratings for the show or anything like that. I recently found out that Coach Foley, 
who I met years ago when he was still at Frankfurt and I was with the News Trib, that he listens to the show a lot when he's walking in the morning. Dave from Frostburg called in earlier and said he listens a lot. I had never heard from Dave before, I don't think, until today. And one thing I found out since I made the announcement that I was leaving is that there are a lot more people listening to the show than I thought. Because, you never, again, you never really quite know. And I truly feel bad for those who do tune in and listen, who made this show a part of their morning. Because I feel bad that I'm leaving. And I apologize for that. I really do. Because I feel like I'm taking something away. But my dad always told me, he says, no matter where you're at in life, son, you always have to take care of number one. And that's what I'm doing. And that's what I'm leaving. I'll miss doing the show. I'll miss the little things. But there's some things that I won't miss. <laughs> I won't miss a 3.20 wake-up call. You know, I, I, I won't miss being tired all the time. There are certain things, certain reasons why I'm leaving. And that, that's just one of them. I came in every morning, and I try to do the best show that I could. But the fire is just out. And when the fire goes out, you start to not give your very best. And when that happens, you kind of realize it's time to go. I don't know what the future holds for me. Nobody knows that. But really, this is just the right time for me to move on. And I encourage anybody who feels stuck or trapped, or if your fire has just burned out, to do the same. If I can do it at 50, you can do it, no matter how old you are. And I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care if you're a man, woman, if you're black, white, tall, short, whatever. Everybody deserves the very best that each and every day has to offer. Every single day is a blessing. It's an opportunity to make your life the way you want it. So you go for it. I don't care who you are. Go for it. You deserve it. Even if you're in a situation where you might feel stuck or trapped. Or, and I know sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes you feel a little bit hopeless. But we have to work, right? We have bills to pay. So we got to go to work. But even in that situation, never take your eyes off of what you really want in life. Never take your focus off of what's on the horizon for you. Always work towards what you want your life to be. Because again, I don't care who you are. I've never met most of you. You deserve it. It's never too late to make a change. It's never too late to do what you want to do. Like, for, and I, I credit Joe Shooter for this, for giving me this quote. You remember the quarterback for the Colts, right? Andrew Luck, who just up and retired out of nowhere. He says, nothing changes if nothing changes. If you feel the need, make the change. Make your life what you want to. That's what I'm attempting to do now. And I said before, I might crash and burn. But you know what? I'd rather crash and burn trying something new than just fade away doing something that, quite frankly, I just don't have the heart to do anymore. So that's why I'm leaving. That's why I'm taking off. Again, many thanks to one and all. I couldn't name everybody. And I apologize if I left somebody out. I know I did. So many people to thank. So many people that I appreciate. The listeners, the callers, the people I worked with. Not just now, not just this company, but going all the way back to 1995. I look back. 
No regrets. It has been a good run. And it wouldn't have been nearly as good of a run if it wasn't for all of you guys. Who knows? You might see me or hear me somewhere down the road. Could be this station. It could be another station. Some other capacity. I don't know. I have no idea. But I guess that's the exciting thing about it, right? It's the challenge. It's the new challenge, even at my age, to see what else is out there. Thank you once again to everybody who listened, to everybody who called or texted or emailed or whatever. Thanks to all who made this show possible, who helped with the show, who contributed with the show. Uh, I love you. I really do. Thanks for everything. All right. Uh, remember, there's really no easy way to get out of this. <laughs> Nationals baseball tonight, Ravens football tomorrow. Uh, man is up next. Stick around. Thank you again once and all. For the final time, this is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. And I am done. Bye.